Hello everyone and welcome to the Park Rush podcast. My name is Josh. Unfortunately, no Tom this week. He is off gallivanting in Porto in Portugal um, on a funicular. He uh, sent me some photos of and on an educational boat ride um, that he then turned into Pirates of the Caribbean by himself. Um, but instead, uh, I've got uh, who's fast becoming our resident American and that is the man himself, John Self. How are you doing, John? I'm doing well. I'm not sure I, I'm comfortable with the title resident American, but I guess that's what I am. Um, <laughs> so so Tom has turned anything into a theme park attraction. He is so desperate to experience real theme park things. So he booked a trip to Portugal where he could find none of it. Yeah, he was like, I'm going to go to the one place where there are no actual theme parks. Um, and I'm just going to pretend other things are instead. OK, all I'm thinking with that is, as we as we make fun of Tom while he's not here is so he wants to continue his reputation of running a theme park podcast but never going to a theme park yeah absolutely if it's not Disney World then he's not interested it's uh what I get okay I just want to just want to be clear as opposed to you know you know you're you're opposed to coming to Florida at all just to even that whole thing up but just so I pick on both of you feel free to return the favor I I'm willing to take it but okay you know, Tom can turn anything into a fun time. So let's give him credit for that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, and between him covering uh, Orlando and me covering everything else, I think it's a great partnership in the end. Um, <laughs> and I mean, luckily over the past couple of years, we've had uh, you um, and a couple of others that have made it. Uh, I mean, we've actually had coverage from Orlando, which is always very nice. Well, I mean, I've told many of my editors and other people I work for, I'm like, what would it be like if you were trying to run a theme park podcast and you couldn't even go to the theme parks? Because you couldn't even go to the theme parks that were within an hour or so of your house. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> for for I don't know how long. And so what would that be like? So I said, you know, these people, we need to help these people out because, you know, at some point we may be in the same situation. <laughs> well, I. Uh- Going by how America goes, I'm not sure that's uh, quite the case. Well, I may have presented it slightly more pastorally since that is one of my jobs. But yes, I agree. The chances of that are not likely. But if, say, for instance, the miracle of the London resort ever happens by 2037, then maybe it'll be an issue. Yeah. Um, I, I Actually, I think, you know, the London resort, we always joke, is always going to become a, you know, a housing uh, project right instead you know mm-hmm. residential homes and maybe we can get disney in on that action uh, now they brought story living by disney uh to our attention yes that's this has gotten lots of uh as anything disney does has gotten lots of social media how do i say this nicely backlash because disney <laughs> can't breathe without people telling them it's awful even if disney said hey we're going to do something nice for you and it won't cost you anything. People are looking around like, where's the catch? Yeah, so, yes. so in fairness to them, but they've come out with story living, which I, I know I'm jumping on the bandwagon on this, but how, what do they do? I think, I think it's Lynn Testa and Jim Hill that joke about, they just have a wheel. They spin it to come up with names and it's always <laughs> the same terms and the same names and the same everything and story living. And don't misunderstand me, I start to run out of creativity trying to have a cute title for a sermon or a cute title for an article or whatever. But story living, that was the best you could come up with? Yeah, it's, uh, 
it's questionable. I think as a, I don't know, as an overall thing, it very much says everything that Disney is about. Uh, for sure, though, like, um, obviously, all of the ships have like Wish and Magic, mm-hmm. and they're don't running out about, names for those things. Don't forget about Key. Key. They overuse Key. Oh yeah, the Key. Keys of the this, Kingdom. And, and this is why list. this is why everything has a plus afterwards. Because we yeah. get a plus, and it makes it sound better. <laughs> and then but we, everything's got a plus, so then it all becomes far too confusing. But we we theme park fans are guilty of that because it went from Fast Pass, the old system at Disney, to Fast Pass Plus, and we thought, oh, this will be so much better. Yeah, we're we're the ones who told them that it was a good idea to add plus to everything, and now we're paying more to have a plus on the end. But that's a yeah. whole different discussion. And every time I do a podcast, I always get genie plus and disney plus mixed up well uh, there's a good reason because they want you to yeah, yeah they want you to link those accounts and then you'll be done we can sit here and i'm more than happy to to make fun of how disney seems to nickel and dime every little thing and Universal's starting to do it too just to be fair but you know they just don't want you to notice that money's flying out of your bank account yes well don't worry uh, i think it'll fly out in the droves of this new story living uh yeah, they're putting it in Palm Springs, California, yeah. right? That's where the first one's going. Yes, uh, just down the uh, just across the road, I guess, um, in a place called Rancho Mirage. Okay, um, you're right. Uh, I don't know. If, have you been to that area at all, John? I've been to that area, but it's been a while. the The main piece that's important for me to know is that it's probably an hour drive to Disneyland from there. Yes, about that. Yeah. Um, and so when I first started hearing this, now granted, I first started hearing this while I was still, you know, theme park researching and doing all my stuff while I was still in Orlando. I started listening to it and I was like, this sounds like you're trying to recreate what has happened at Walt Disney World, just letting you behind the scenes. There's large, gigantic, gated communities that are that consume a large area around Walt Disney World property. Yep. And and they cost a fortune. We don't even want to think about how much they cost and they're gated and all of these things that go with that. And Disney caters to them and brings special shuttles to them. And I'm not saying they shouldn't. I'm just saying they do. This is what it reminded me of. And I guess I'm struggling with you're going to create this wonderful community that clearly is targeted towards the demographic I will be in very soon because this is 55 and plus 55 years and older kind of semi-retired retirement communities. Some creating. of the neighborhoods are. Yeah. Right. That seems to be what they're starting with. Yeah. And so you're going to make it where I can live within the story all the time. And I know this won't do well on a podcast because I'm trying to visualize it, but I'm kind of visualizing what is it? Goofy's going to come pick up my trash and tell me about stuff. And then, and then, then Daffy, then not Daffy, um, Donald Duck is going to come by and drop off my food and tell me I should do things a certain way. And then, you know, I'm going to have to call Mickey to have my phone service changed. I'm just kind of visualizing all of these things because even though Disney's not technically going to be in charge of these things as they continue on, they're branding themselves and, and they're going to use Imagineer cast members to run these places. And so yeah. I, can't, I can't imagine how much that would cost in California. And I'm not trying to pick on California, but it just costs a lot more to live there. I mean, having lived a long time ago in Boston, Massachusetts, it was still cheaper to live there than it was to live in California. So yeah. I, I'm visualizing 
oh, I'm visualizing more than the normal human will make in 10 lifetimes just to live there. Yeah, uh, I, I would say the same. I think, you know, a lot of people who maybe don't aren't in the know would think or maybe know some of Disney, Disney World would think it's like Celebration. Um, right. But I, like you, I think it's more Golden Oaks is the that, vibe I'm getting off of it. That is the vibe that I'm getting. Um, granted, this is fairly new and they've come out. And as we were talking before we started recording, you know, Josh tomorrow has been out front and center giving quotes left and right about how wonderful this is going to be. And it's a vision of the future and you can live within the story. That's the catchphrase that they apparently in their marketing team have come up with. You can live within the story. And I'm like, okay, but I know I made fun of Mickey and Donald and, and everybody, but do I always want to live within the story? Sometimes I just want to come home from, from my meeting because we're assuming these people have jobs come home from yeah. my meeting and I just want to sit down and have some dinner and, and watch some TV and go to bed. I don't need to interact with the whole Disney world the whole time. Yeah. It almost feels like a, like a horror, like one of these like B movie horror films where they didn't get the licensing <laughs> for Disney, you know? Yes. Um, and they're just stuck in this constant Disney nightmare. But in fairness, I mean, I know it's a terrible comparison because we're changing demographics completely. But the branding of like Margaritaville, because then we get into complicated things with what Jimmy Buffett owns and what Jimmy Buffett doesn't own with that branding. Oh, yeah. um, Margaritaville, they're they're planting up these Margaritaville resorts and Margaritaville retirement areas, and they're apparently working. However, huh. I think we're talking. I don't know. I don't have any data, so anybody wants to message me on Twitter, feel free. Um, you know, we're talking about 5% of what it would cost to live in these story lives. What is well, Sorry, story living communities by Disney. Yeah, there's so there's one down the road, right? There's like a, the Margaritaville, Orlando. Uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of live. And yeah, that's kind of a resort. And they have some kind of relationship with Walt Disney World. I don't really know because I'm not to try okay. to. As someone said to me the other day, you kind of stay agnostic in the world of travel agencies. I'm like. Yeah, because I don't want to just write for one group. And so I, I do all kinds of different things. But I know they have a relationship with Walt Disney World in some way. Um, and it's and it's not that far away from the, from that section of Walt Disney World. No, yeah, absolutely. Um, no. It's that sort of, it's the sort of area that Tom and I usually stay uh, when we go. Um, okay. So it's just, yeah, just down the road. I, I, I kind of, I, we where I stayed last time, backed onto that Margaritaville, so we, Stopped in, had a look around. Um, interesting place. I'm not sure I could uh, stay there as regularly as uh, they maybe would hope, but uh, yeah. Right. Yeah, um, I mean, it seems like, I mean, th this is just another one of those questions, and I know I've had, as you were making reference to celebration, we have plenty of people who are talking about, well, this is Walt's image of what he wanted Epcot to be, or what he wanted <laughs> the logical progression of Epcot. And once again, please take this from someone who currently writes 80, 85% of his stuff about Universal. I don't, I think we should stop saying what Walt would want. Do we have any clue what Walt would want? Uh, yeah, I, I, I also don't think, I, I will mention that briefly, like based on what Walt designed, this is not that um, for, for Epcot. You know, Epcot was, a, was far more of a city living kind yes. of vibe. 
Um, and and as, some, as someone who lives in the, truly lives in the Midwest US and often flies out of St. Louis to get to Orlando, um, you know, uh, Walt's Midwest vision. Now, granted, I understand that he he soaked up all the California culture and all of the women, but he was still a Midwest guy who yeah. through all the jokes and stories about hash and chili out of cans and all those kind of things. Those are <laughs> though those are exaggerated. There's some truth to those. And so I have a hard time visualizing that he wouldn't want a community and we have no idea what this would cost. But I have a hard time visualizing you in a community where people would have to invest hundreds of millions of dollars to be a part of it. Yeah. That yeah, it doesn't that vibe doesn't sit doesn't and, make sense. And as I as one of the because trust me, there's five million Twitter trolls. Trust me, I'm a gray-haired old man who's on Twitter way too much. I get it, but um I've heard many people say, and I think they're right. The storybook living is just another opportunity for older, gray-haired white people to go live in their world and pretend like the world doesn't exist. And yeah. that seems a bit harsh. However, I think there's at least a touch of truth to that. Of I can go to this community and not have to worry about the world. And if Disney markets it correctly, that might not be so bad because I don't know if you've looked around, the world's not so great the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, I'm not trying to be, not trying to be flippant. I get, I get um, criticism periodically with, well, you know, in your sermon, your sermons, you keep telling us that things aren't going well. I'm like, what do you want me to do? Tell you it's bunnies and unicorns out there. Uh, yeah. Right. Um, so. it's, it's, it's not going well, particularly anywhere right now, which, uh, Right. So I, I, I mean, don't get that. Right. Don't misunderstand me. I have plenty of hope that things will be good and hope in humanity. And obviously, for my worldview, hope in the resurrection, those kind of things. But when you're living in the mess, all you can see is the mess. Yeah. And so if if you had the resources or my concern, and this is me having studied way too much what happened after the Spanish flu epidemic or pandemic. Okay. So sorry, this is way too much. Sorry, I have a degree in church history, so just smile, just smile along, everybody listening. I'll take forty-five seconds. What happened after that in the in the Western culture was the pandemic and World War One ended, and then people started seeing technology and opportunities, and they started buying stuff they couldn't afford. That led to what we know as the Great Depression. People are going to invest in things maybe they shouldn't be investing in when things get better. And you might cycle the same thing. Now that I've depressed everybody in the podcast, this is what history tells Oof. us might happen. Um, and this happened throughout the world. And so that's just the thing. People are just looking for any anything that will make them feel better at the time. And so I know I'm starting to preach. I'll tuck that in for a second. But, 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 it's, but it's true. And so the sto story living, I want to use the right name because I keep wanting to call it storybook living, which I think somebody else owns the trademark to that. Story living yeah. by Disney is going to be interesting because Disney is basically franchising themselves out. And if I believe the rumors, and I want to say put rumors in gigantic print, they have plans to put about 15 of these in the U.S. and then expand 15. throughout the world. Yes. Wow. Now, granted, these plans may not happen, and I'm not picking on Josh tomorrow here. I'm, I'm more than happy to do that often, but I'm not in this case. You know, these... 15 in the U.S. may not happen until, you know, 
Josh is retired. But, yeah. You know, Disney has these planned out. Yeah. Because um, we're, ha- we're happy to pick on Disney for, for um, well, you say you're going to open stuff and you don't open stuff. And so maybe we should put a disclaimer here. It's going to take you five years to copy and paste a Tron coaster from Asia to put it in Magic Kingdom. How long is it going to take you to do this? 15 years before something appears in Palm Springs? Maybe. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take, like, they, as far as I'm aware, no ground has been broken yet. Right. Um, so, you know, you've got to do all the groundwork, um, putting all of the sanitation and, that sort of, and the utilities and that sort of thing. And then you can start going vertical with the houses. Right. And then um, we also know for like from, I can't remember what the name of it was when they, saw a window for Disneyland and they market this whole new packaging of Disneyland to expand what they could do and change their zoning. This was just pie in the sky they threw out and Disney is famous for pie in the sky and then all of a sudden it doesn't happen. We make fun of their concept art and it looks nothing like that. But I'm happy to make fun of them for that. We also can't say, as I butcher the English language, you can't say that Disney doesn't make money and know how to run a business. Oh, absolutely. So if you want to make fun of them for this stuff, that's fine. But you, but we're still paying. Uh, yeah, you're <laughs> not Disney, wrong. Disney raises the price of Disney Plus. You're going to keep paying it. Yeah. And as evidenced by the fact that Disney raised um, tickets. Was that a couple days ago? Uh, yeah, yeah they, ra- so. they raised the price of tickets a couple days ago. And annual passes still haven't come back for Walt Disney World. Yeah, which leads the cynical in the theme park world to believe Disney doesn't plan on bringing back annual passes because people are buying tickets and they don't need to have annual passes. Uh, That's a whole yeah. different conversation. Yeah, it's an interest. Uh, you know, D- Disneyland uh, California kind of thrives on annual pass or has done in the past, mm-hmm. um, whereas Disney World has always uh, not really needed them so much because they're in all, you know, they get visitors from across the globe all the time. Right. Uh, so they can get away with that. Um, talk about money. I think, you know, this place with its, you know, I just, I picked out some quotes, um, you know, perfect setting for Disney fans to write the next chapter in their lives. Uh, warm, yes. Warmth and charm of a small town with the beauty of a resort. Um, mm-hmm. So it's going to upfront cost of the property is going to cost a fair bit of money, as you've already mentioned. Then you're going to have, you know, your um, your monthly fees or your annual fees that they're going to charge you, no doubt. Um, and then on top of that, I was, you know, watching the videos, making like trying to make sure I'd notice key uh, verbiage. I guess mm-hmm. um, there's a voluntary club membership, which is an upsell, mm-hmm. uh, which has a clubhouse with a club-only beach area and uh, exclusive Disney programming and entertainment for that club. Um, and then there's what is seemingly uh, what they described as a professionally managed park and beach area, which you also need a day pass to access, um, which is a separate upsell. So uh, not only are they getting you know people for their annual fees and the you know shops rental monthly rents, and they're getting you with these upsells as well in the club memberships and their daily day passes. So. A lot of opportunities to make money here. Once again, we can sit here and we can reminisce about, and I know I have written it. I'm as guilty as anyone. I wrote an article 
for a, for a travel agency a couple months ago about, I remember going to Walt Disney World and paying less than $200 for an annual pass. Wow. Um, yes, I'm old. Okay. But <laughs> uh, paying less than $200 and staying at an offsite hotel and paying $25 a night and not feeling like I was being cheated. The world yeah. has changed and I'm more than happy to make fun of Disney for these plans that they have been trying to put in place with Genie Plus and increase of charging more and providing less because these have been in the works for about 10 years now. And yeah. COVID gave them the ability to make this change and blame it on something else, which was excellent planning from a business standpoint. But as I keep saying, and I know I say it often, until people stop paying for this stuff, capitalism with all of its pluses and negatives, you charge the most you can to get a consistent product purchase. Yeah. Why would why wouldn't I charge this keeps coming up? Why wouldn't I charge $85 for a spirit jersey at Disney if people will pay for it? Might as well. And that's the struggle. And they, the spirit jersey, we, we make fun of the spirit jersey price because it's 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 a niche thing. It's got to go away at some point. But it wasn't it really wasn't that long ago that spirit jerseys were 55 or 60. Now they're 85. And that's all happened during COVID or semi-COVID or whatever we're in at the moment. I, I don't even know. Yeah, uh, I don't think anyone knows at this point. Right. And so I'm not trying to depress the listeners here, but um, it's the it's the point of this is the way capitalism works. As long as they can get you to pay for it, they'll do it. And why wouldn't wouldn't they upcharge you for attractions because they're getting more money for doing less work? Because I I wasn't in the mix and other people wrote about this instead of me. But the data says that almost half the people who attend the parks are paying for Genie Plus and or individual lightning lanes. Yeah. So that means that they're getting more money for the same product. Yeah. Uh, so why why would they stop? <laughs> you, uh, you wouldn't, if you had a business, if you had a business, you wouldn't stop. Uh, no. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I would hope that I wouldn't implement it in the first place. But if I if it was if I had it. And I've done it, then of course it wouldn't stop. Mm -hmm. Why would you, right? Um, yeah, uh, I'm just waiting for the uh, Spirit Jersey Plus when that comes out. <laughs> I'll buy that. Oh, we don't even want to know about that. Do do we want to move on from this? Because seriously, I think very unlikely. Even though this is really newsworthy. Very unlikely, much of our listeners are ever going to even get near a story living by Disney housing product. But it tells uh, you what Disney yeah. is trying to do. Disney is not going to give up. If they see an opportunity to make money, you have to give them credit for that. They'll do it. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the closest anyone who listens to this podcast will get is maybe uh, if the hotel that they said is coming to uh, this uh, Cotino area, mm -hmm. if that gets built, maybe someone will stay there. Um, right. Then maybe that whoever stays there first can let us know how it is. I, I should add one more thing. Years as I, time. Yeah, as I'm thinking about this, to be fair, and of the 5% of social media comments about this that were useful, one of them was this This does tell you as an audience what Disney's trying to do. And I know it's been exaggerated. I know cast member salaries are higher, but you still it's still hard to live on a cast member salary, most of them. 
and you've decided to target a demographic that is the the five percent of the one percent, as I butcher U.S. politic terms there. Yeah. <laughs> and so it it it, con, it conveys a very clear message of what you're trying to do, and rightly or wrongly, as I also butcher the English language, um, Disney has decided if we charge more and we have less people, but we still charge more, we can we can make more money with less work. And yeah. So that's that's what they're going towards, and you. As opposed to, granted, in huge contrast, um, Universal Parks are like, come on in, here we go. I mean, I know Universal did raise the, they raised some food prices recently and they raised some, they raised annual pass prices for people who live outside of Florida lately. But they have been targeting the, here's our window. We're going to be the theme park resort for people who've decided finally they can't afford to go to Disney. Yeah. Um, I, I think, um just real quick on the story living still um palm springs uh, has traditionally been an area of uh white retired people uh getting you know it's quite an affluent area of residents because mm-hmm. they were kind of uh, retired and white and then but all of the staff live in a much poorer uh, right. town down the road um and it, kind of gives off that those sorts of vibes as well with a story living by Disney. Um, but yeah, absolutely. On the point of Universal, uh, they've got that opportunity here with Disney up in their prices to uh, get in with the people that are full um, left aside. Um, and it's a great opportunity for them. And, you know, probably that they will then hopefully raise their market share, you know, with the Epic Universe coming online eventually as well. Um, put some real pressure on Disney, and then if they're if they're the top dog in Orlando, especially, um, you could see you would imagine Universal will start doing a similar thing to what Disney is doing in terms of prices. Correct. And in fairness, I mean I'm being a Universal homer here, but I want to be fair. Universal can raise the prices, but as long as they raise their prices a lower percentage than Disney does, they look like good guys. Yeah, hundred percent. Which is what they've done. So don't don't just think that that Comcast being in charge of Universal now, NBC Universal Comcast. Yeah. Don't think they miss a trick on business. They didn't get rich because they were idiots. Uh, no. Um, uh, luckily they are rich. Otherwise, uh, Tom wouldn't have a job. That's correct. I was trying not to make that connection as I was talking, but yes. <laughs> um, he's not here, but I, I feel like I should mention that anyway. Uh, yeah, that's perfectly fair. Yeah. Um, talking of Universal. Um, obviously, they've got Mardi Gras on at the moment, runs through until April 24th. Yes. Um, I think Tom will be out there for the end of Mardi Gras, which he's very much looking forward to. Um, and you've been covering, uh, <laughs> Sorry. still covering. First world problems of, yes, I have. I was there for the first seven days of Mardi Gras. Right. It's, it's, it's long, right? Six weeks? It's going to be, I think, total? Or oh, more than that. Longer than that. Well, Normally, it's about six weeks. This is the longest okay. they've ever done Mardi Gras officially. Remember last year, they started it with like six or seven weeks and they extended it out and they extended oh, it into sure. May. Yeah. And so, but currently it's towards the end of April. Any of you who function in the same Christian worldview that I do, you're, you're going to struggle with the fact that Mardi Gras goes past Easter. 
Okay, if you know the history of Mardi Gras and Ash Wednesday and Fat Tuesday, you're like, I thought Mardi Gras was going to be over the end of February. Well, not at Universal. So, <laughs> so, but fortunately for Tom, he gets to experience the last couple of weeks of that, last week of that, and see how it goes. But uh, Mardi Gras this year, the parades are back. Um, let me see. let me do my commercial since they they compensated me to eat some food. I'm doing my writing for PiratesAndPrincesses.net. Um, I wrote an article literally the night of the parade describing what happened and being like a real reporter and running back to my my room at, at Disney Springs area, the B Resort, and typing that up. And I, I have a goal to finish all the reviews of every single Mardi Gras item, food item, the ones in the park, the ones in City Walk, and most of the ones at the resorts by the end of this month. I don't think I'm going to make it. Because that's about 75 food items, I think, as I checked. Yeah, um, I, I have looked at your uh, articles on piratesandprincesses.net because um, I always like to see, you know, what the food, what's going on with the food. Um, I didn't realise I, I missed the opening night Mardi Gras parade one, and some of the shots you've got are really good. Um, well, considering I'm using my, shots, or... thank you. Considering I'm using my antiquated camera camera phone. Sorry, I'm using the old British term camera phone. I sound like I'm in a Sherlock episode. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it was, I knew where to get, I knew where to stand. I went back the next night for some of the photos, some of the photos that I missed, but um, the planet Mardi Gras theme, which is kind of a bizarre theme. Basically, if you're unfamiliar with Mardi Gras, let me give you the short version. The yeah. Mardi Gras festivities at Universal Orlando are arguably the best seasonal event in all of the Orlando area if for one reason there are concerts like Diana Ross was last week um big big name right a big name now granted she's a big name because she's she's well into her retirement but she put on a show that legitimately was it would be if you had just paid for a day ticket it would have been worth your time that concert yeah. was included with coming to Mardi Gras um the parades included coming to Mardi Gras the performers are out there. I haven't written about this yet. All the performers you see walking through the parade, um, they come out hours before to hype up everybody for the parade. Um, the trip, there's a tribute store that has, has become a signature thing where you kind of walk through the event of a float. All of this is included with your admission. There is no upcharge. There is no nothing. There's no, hey, you can pay for special seats. Hey, you can do this. No. All of Mardi, all of Mardi Gras is included with your admission. That's great. And so, if you're an annual pass holder or you're staying there and you're buying, you're buying four or five day ticket, which is probably going to run you three hundred and fifty dollars. That's just a guess. As, as as a spoiled bourgeoisie who has a premier <laughs> annual pass, I don't know, but I I think I could pretty easily get you five days there for $350 plus tax, of course, because it's the U.S. We have to tax everything. Of course. Um, you're basically paying $75, $80 a night or a day to enjoy this event, and it, the value of that is amazing. Um, yeah. And so just, just so you can get that kind of perspective. Um, of course, it's a food festival because Universal has discovered, I think I wrote this very recently, actually. Actually, I did. I wrote, an, I wrote a review of the Arachini which are kind of like risotto, fried risotto balls in the Italian yep. area. Um, I think that gets published soon, if not. I, I believe I started that article with the words, 
if you go to a food festival in the Orlando area and you see the words Ital Italy, you should avoid it because historically Italy has been the worst food area at Epcot and at Universal. <laughs> okay, just just so you know. Um, and but you know, you, if you did the discounts, and I don't want to bore you with this, you can find all this stuff at Pirates and Princesses about the food discount card and the beverage card and planning your budget and how to do it. But you know, you're getting samples of food if you do it right in real money for five dollars us okay and so i mean it's it's a reasonably good deal it's not like the joke i make about you go to epcot you spend fifty dollars at a food festival and you're still hungry yeah if you spent fifty dollars which a universal person would be like i'm not spending fifty dollars for a food festival of course not you're not used to having to um <laughs> if you spent as someone who ate i have had every single item with the exception of a few of the items at the resort hotels. I've had every single Mardi Gras item. Oh. Yes. Not to mention if we want to totally digress this podcast. Also, I had every single Gideon's cookie. I had Gideon's oh, cookie wow. at Disney Springs. Yeah. Um, I had a catered meal with gigantic desserts at the B Resort. They did a great job with. And I had four Everglaze donuts. Not to mention the two Voodoo donuts. Wow. So somehow I'm still under 200 pounds, but barely, um, very barely. Sorry, I, mean, I can't do the conversion to real kilos for you, but I don't, I don't like seeing 200 come up on my scale. So currently it says 198.9 or something like that. Um, but the Mardi Gras food, they've expanded it throughout all of Universal Studios and almost everything in CityWalk has one. Uh, those of you who dine vegan, um, there's... Because I had to change it today. Josh and I were joking about before we started recording. They have a food booth that's dedicated to be fully vegan, not vegetarian, but vegan. And some of the items are really good. They have eight vegan items, and I would say four of them are definitely worth your time, even if you're not a vegan person to have. Nice. Um, that's good time. Yeah, I'd say. They, yeah, they have, of course. Um, all the stereotypical New Orleans food you might imagine, the the Bayou Boil, the crawfish, the po'boys, the beignets. Sorry, Universal, your beignets still aren't as good as the ones at Port Orleans um, French Quarter. However, <laughs> they don't cost as much either, so that's a whole different conversation. Because I tell people this all the time. When it comes to a food festival, as a rule, Disney's food festivals will have better food than Universal. However, the portion size will be larger at Universal, and you'll pay significantly less. So it just comes down to what you're looking for. Yeah, 100%. Um, this year, they went with, they. I didn't catch this at first, but Universal didn't do a very good job with this because they were literally changing things the morning of or the night before Mardi Gras started which I know is a first world problem for a part-time theme park <laughs> blogger. Okay. But when they literally are changing menus, um, cause you have taken a picture of the menu and you go that morning and you go back that night and the menu has been taken down. Yeah. You're like, what am I supposed to tell people? I think, I think I literally wrote an argue article for pirates and princesses. And I said, this is what we know about the food so far. I think that's the exact title <laughs> because it kept changing. Uh, but the, Quality is pretty high. They've, um, I knew I was going to circle back to this. 
the Mardi Gras parade, which are floats that are designed by kind of the same family and company that makes the floats for the New Orleans Mardi Gras parade. Yeah. Each year at Universal, they have six standard floats that, you know, which finishes with the King Gator float. But in, in the middle of that, they'll have six different floats with whatever theme they're doing. And this year, the theme was Planet Mardi Gras. And so if you've seen the photos or go to Pirates and Princesses or go anywhere, you will see, as I joked about, and please, this may have something to do with my worldview and the fact that I'm getting old. <laughs> Apparently in space, on, on these planets they are coming from, it's very warm because these costumes do not c cover them very much. Everyone has the 80s midriff look and all those kind of things. But but the costumes are great and the, and the, the six themed pl planet Mardi Gras floats coordinate to some of the food tents. I didn't get this at first. Like oh, okay. there's, a there's a volcano planet um, float, which coordinates to the volcano planet food tent in the kid zone area, which serves Papa Bravas, which are kind of like potatoes with a, uh, we'll call it a Latin American, South American salsa marinara sauce, which is actually pretty good. And yep. then, and then they have a roasted, oh, I'm blanking on it because of the food that I don't eat, but it's a it's a it's a more vegetarian item um, that that they've turned kind of into sopapillas, which you might visualize in that in kind of fried dough kind of texture, which is actually not too bad. They've created that planet. They put facades up so you could go with those kind of themes, and they've spread this out throughout the park. Whereas if you've been to Mardi Gras, those of you who are UK based, you probably haven't been to Mardi Gras since the old days. Yeah. Mardi, Gras, Mardi Gras food used to just be in that little New York area, what we call Battery Park, and it was very straightforward and simple. It was good, but it was nothing It was nothing beyond the Mardi Gras image. Universal learned, and I'm going to say they learned by looking across to Lake Buena Vista, they learned, yeah. hey, people are happy to pay good money and then pay more money for food. Because um, that is basically the premise of Epcot. We don't have Tom here to talk about, you know, drinking around Epcot, but you get the idea. Yeah. Um, Universal has done a really good job and their chefs have done a great job of being creative. I feel I've typed these words so many times in the last week or so of, <laughs> of you need to taste everything in the dish together. If you taste it separately, it doesn't taste very good. I didn't say that because that's not true, but it's what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, but if you taste it all together, even if it's not your kind of, of meal, you're like, oh, I see what the chefs are going for. Like, one of my most hated dishes I had was the chana masala, which is, you know, similar to a uh, like a tiki masala you might get at lots of places with chicken and curry. And they, yeah. they used they used chickpeas and they did it. If you taste it, all of it together, the rice, the vegetables, the curry, the non bread together, it was pretty good. But if you didn't get every single bit of it in that bite, it was not good. Oh, man. Spoiler alert, I'm sure I'll write this article at some point. Actually, we talked about it. It should be published sometime today. Of uh, This is my lowest rated vegan article, vegan item was the chala masala. Chana masala, I need to say that correctly. Um, but you've got to give universal credit. If, if you taste it the way they visualized it, it was pretty good. If you didn't, eh, Not so it, much. Was, it was theme park food. Yeah. Um, okay. They have, but I'm sorry. Uh, no, I'll just, you know, just carry on. Yeah, um, the 
the one thing that I didn't know I enjoyed that I've discovered that I've enjoyed immensely and I've written about it a lot. I still have one more article to get out. It's for the carrot cake concoction, which is kind of like someone compared it. I don't know who, and I'm sorry if I'm not giving credit. They compared it to um, a carrot cake version of frozen butterbeer. I think that's overselling it, but um, carrot cake concoction was at the fusion tent. If you've seen the, it looks like a steampunk facade around the tent. You can find um, Creole crab beignets, which were pretty good. And you can find ube bubble waffle cones. Mm. I, I did not know that I enjoyed ube, wa ube ice cream. Um, what, ube do, ice do you know what's in that? Ube ice cream, I, I do know. It's very simple and straightforward. Ube ice cream, and your culture might be more familiar with this because in, in, the, in the U.S. culture, we don't visualize anything that looks like Asian or or African or even non-European type ice cream. We just have the standard type ice cream full of sugar. We don't yeah. have the much of the rolled ice cream and the ice cream made out of beets. This is ube is is kind of a lighter, I would call it less pungent, sweeter sweet potato or uh, yam okay. or something like that. And it's yeah. very it's very purple. <laughs> um, but this is yeah. in this is in the Tusum Mardi Gras shake, their rhythm and shake Mardi milkshake, which Jacques and Penelope came out to show off, and you can find my article about that. But very powerful. Um, the Ube ice cream is really really good. I have I in doing walk arounds on people's YouTube channel yeah. with them. I've said I've said hey, if it says Ube ice cream, you should buy it. Because it's it's sweet, but it's not overly sweet. It's not like using the butterbeer example. If you have a butterbeer, you have your sugar intake for the next year in one <laughs> sip. Yeah. Um, it's not that sweet, but the flavor is really good. It matches really well with other stuff. I was not aware that I enjoyed ube ice cream, but but it was good, but not overwhelming. And they have, I don't even think I have all the ingredients memorized what's there. The ube bubble waffle. Um, yeah it's a matcha it's a matcha bubble waffle with ube ice cream with coconut shavings with um it's got two more things i gotta remember what they are it's got the pocky sticks which are kind of a big thing among teenagers here a candy um, yeah, there's some um, there's some marshmallows in there and there's also popping candy which code word for those of us who are old apparently universal couldn't call them this those are pop rocks. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I didn't have the license for that. Apparently not. But if you, as I think Xavier of Universal Food Blog said uh, in one of his articles, he was talking about that was a really wonderful creation. But if you were not ready for the Pocky Sticks or the Pop Rocks, you were in for an unpleasant surprise. <laughs> but the ice cream was good. Um, there is something odd about the ice cream. I've written this several times. When it when it melts more and mixes with other stuff, the flavor's not as good. Okay. So so as things as it gets hotter in Florida, because mm. I hear it's going to be ninety soon, ninety degrees Fahrenheit in Florida, so unbearable. If, yeah. This time of year, um, I'm anxious to see what the reviews are when it starts to melt because I noticed the difference when it melted. I know one of the articles I put out for some site, someone commented, there's a picture on the front that shows it kind of melting, because I want yeah. to make that point. 
And I said, well, it still tastes good, but it doesn't taste as good when it starts to melt. There must be something chemical in the ube that I don't understand. Yeah. So which is highly likely. Yes, it's highly likely. I don't understand, but that kind of thing. <laughs> but uh, um, go ahead, I should just say uh, the pocky sticks for uh, bricks. We don't call them pocky sticks. I think uh, we we call them Mikado. Yes, you do. Thank you. I was trying to be, as I joke with people when they go overseas, I say, um, you need to not use the word napkin. You need to use the word serviette. I was trying to think of what the comparable word was in your culture. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Mikado. Apparently, I think it's the same, like the main brand that they, for some reason, marketed them differently over here. Yeah, I think it is the same thing. But I think that in my subculture, you can't see me right now but as i'm drinking my pepsi zero sugar you still yeah. call it pep you still call it pepsi max yes yeah we don't <laughs> so it's one of those weird things i haven't figured out yet but i have to say all in all the food this year with the one disclaimer that the chefs have been really creative and tried to be out of this world we use all the marty Claude cliches out of this world and make things louder wilder and spicier that's one of the slogans for this year they've done a good job with that but you need to make sure you try to get all the ingredients in every single thing yeah okay uh yeah make sure everyone who's going uh i'll make yeah, sure tom tom, tom pay attention yeah I'll, I'll remind him to listen to this even you know again just before he goes to make sure he's got all of the details down um get every single piece in one bite yeah, some of the dishes that I thought were quite, how do I say this nicely? Because as a, as a, a pseudo food blogger, you taste each piece individually. Like yeah. with the ube waffle, I had some of the, I know what pocky sticks taste like. I know what the, you know, but I didn't know what the waffle, what bubble waffle would taste like. So you taste it individually. You're like, eh, it's okay. But then you taste it together. You're like, oh, I understand now. And that's, that, I have written those words so many times over the last week especially yesterday because yesterday is my my full day theme park riding right yeah I, I wrote the words make sure you get everything in here because some of the dishes i thought were horrible and i had i got to the end of the article and i was like yeah but if you tasted all the ingredients together it wasn't bad <laughs> <laughs> but and then that's really true but it, it's just a weird weird phenomenon this year for for universal whereas in previous years they create solid product yeah but it's more straightforward they've yeah. decided to be more adventurous this year and as i have told people especially vegan diners i've said hey you may not like like the vegetable vindaloo i didn't like the vegetable vindaloo because how do i say this nicely it tasted like cauliflower onion yeah. and tomato salad <laughs> okay well guess what if you're dining exclusively vegan, you have learned to have those as important parts of your diet because those have lots of vitamins and lots of other things for your diet. And you, you're like, well, this tastes great. Whereas I'm a spoiled Midwest U.S. person, and that's not what I exclusively dine on. So it was, it was tougher for me. Yeah, uh, you did say uh, the you quite like the vegetable or the vegan samosas. I thought the spoiler alert when this article comes out the Potato, pea, and carrot vegan samosas were the best vegan item there. Um, they come with a green chutney. They're served with a green chutney on the bottom, which contains a lot of spice. Not a lot of spice. A lot of theme park spice. What? Yeah. What? Sorry, this is me 
feel free to make fun of Western culture, uh, make fun of U.S. culture later. <laughs> you, those of you who live in in your in Brit Britain, in the U.K., would consider them to be very spicy. But almost all the spice, Universal did a good job this year. It's obvious that they've created things that most people would eat, and then they've added something you could dip it in to up the spice. They've done that That's with cool. about 15 different items. So if you don't like the spice, you don't have to include it. Yeah. Um, but but the, the samosas tasted good all by themselves. I had a criticism of their portion size, but you could eat them just by your, by themselves with the discounts and and – let me do another commercial while I'm here because I don't want to take a half hour of your podcast to do this. Universal is doing a different um, discount food system this year. They're not doing the lanyard like they've done previously. They're okay. doing a they're doing a food and beverage card. Just to yeah. give you in the short version, if you get the right food and beverage card, you're you're getting 20% off everything you buy, and this food and beverage card never expires. And it also works at every single Universal-owned restaurant in the parks and in CityWalk. Oh, wow. So if you, you're someone who comes to Universal often, ding, 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 you could purchase several of these. And then if you, you can also include your annual pass discount. So I wrote some article, if you're bored sometime and having trouble sleeping, of calculating what was a good deal and what wasn't. <laughs> that that um, basically for any item I purchased, with my annual pass discount and the food and beverage card, I was getting over 30% off. Oh, wow. And so, so when you think, okay, I'm sitting down at, at Tusum to have a shake at Tusum, and the shake is really $15. Well, I'm really only paying what, you know, less than, I'm paying closer to $10 US, not mm. quite 10, let's say under 11 US. Which suddenly those outrageous shakes don't seem quite so outrageous when you think of it that way. No, yeah. And so Universal has has gone with that model, which I think is a better model in the long term. But so yeah, if you so. you visualize anything you see a price for, if you purchase the food and beverage card, because you pay $120 US. Sorry, I can't do the conversion to pounds right now. Sorry. You get $150 US in, in real money. And so you just knock 20% off whatever you see on the price. Yeah. And, and then if you have an annual pest discount, you knock off some more. Um, paying um, $6 for beignets, which is the retail price. Now, all of a sudden, these beignets cost, you know, closer to $4. You're like, well, these, these may not be anything near what you get at Disney World. But, oh, my goodness, I could get like two or three bags of these for what I get <laughs> the same amount at Disney World. So it starts to change your perspective a little bit. Yeah, so, it's, uh, it feels like a bit of a no-brainer if you're going to be spending that much anyway on items, on food items. Right. I mean, I, I, know, I know I calculated it because I was just curious. I calculated what items would be even less than the, the same or similar items would be even less this year. And there was probably about five or six that actually cost less this year with all the discounts than they did in previous years. That's good. So, um, go ahead. Uh, no, that, yeah, no, absolutely. Yes, that seems like a absolutely great. Um, I was just going to say um, the reason I, fo I focused uh, kind of on the samosas is uh, Br Britain. We have a quite a large uh, contingent of South Asian uh, yes. heritage, um, and so samosas have become a bit of a staple uh, on on these aisles. Uh, so it's interesting to see how they fare in other places. And so to hear that they they're good, even if the portion size is not great. 
It's mm -hmm. always good to see. Um, one thing I did uh, question when I saw it was the uh, pizza fries. Um, wow, I sound like a walking, talking commercial. Really, people, I have a real job and I don't just do these things. If you'd like my opinion about this, I have an article at Pirates and Princesses. I believe it says something the effect of the title we came up with. It's, are they really serving pizza fries at Universal at Mardi Gras? They took a dish that is called, I'm going to say it wrong, salchipapas. Okay. Which, which is um, sort of a South American, Central American dish. They're serving them out of, though they don't want us to know this, out of Woody Woodpecker Kids Zone Pizza Kitchen, where you might get the pizza fries normally during HHN. Right. Um, they put a sign up to make it harder for you to know that, but we all know. Um, and when I got them, and I got them Thursday, so this would have been about, this would have been nine days ago from when we're recording at this moment. Uh, basically, it was kind of that onion tomato uh, slaw salad type mixture with yeah. some chorizo and some spicy chipotle mayo sauce and then some other elements mixed together and once again prime example and on top of crinkle fries prime example if you got a bite and you got every single portion of it these were good if you didn't these were horrible and i wrote this and for one site and then had nothing to do with me the day i flew out um they suddenly changed the name on the sign and they left the same salchipapas on there but now it says in quotes pizza fries <laughs> now i'd like to so, point out they now cost two dollars more what but they are cooked like pizza fries so like if you're a universal Orlando veteran you go to Green Eggs and Ham and they have a little semi-metal container where they they bake your tots with the pizza stuff on top of it. Same way they're supposed to make pizza fries. They've changed the, the way they make them, but the ingredients are exactly the same. I have been told that the overly onion flavor, which I was very critical of, is less with this making product process, but now they cost $2 more. Well, there's more effort because I have to take away some of the onion flavor. I, I guess I was I was for me, I think I was highly critical of that in the article in the latest article. But to call them pizza fries and charge two dollars more was. Was not great. Yeah, uh, certainly like it feels like they got they got called out on it. Uh, yes, they've sort of doubled down in a way. And, but in fairness, I'm not sure why they didn't do that to start with. You're using the kitchen that makes the pizza fries. Yeah, just roll what with they, it. What they did originally was just take French fries out of the fryer, dump them in a bowl and put the other things on top of it, which is fine. But the problem was the sauce and, and the chipotle flavor all dropped to the bottom of the bowl. And yeah. so if you didn't pay attention, you get to the end and be like, wow, this has an incredible amount of flavor, but I have nothing to go with it. And so... So I think they've changed that slightly to make it better, but never ever doubt Universal's ability to turn something into pizza fries or something into twisted taters because they have twisted taters this year, which can include a U.S. version of a Frank inside of them and you can have queso on top of them. So basically 
if you desire to have a heart attack while you're at Universal, this is a good thing to have. Perfect. Yeah. So if that's your goal. Yeah. Always. Okay. Um, I yeah. I the last I um last time I went to a theme park or an, an amusement park, um, I wanted Twisted Taters, um, and they weren't serving them. They, I was like, great, thanks. Um, because I've been waiting for one of these for a while now and didn't have them. Right. I do want to give Universal credit this year. Um, so far, though they call them Cajun Twisted Taters. Okay. The, the seasoning is uniform and the frying process is uniform. They seem to have kind of mastered what this looks like. Whereas, you know, sometimes you get a Twisted Tater during HHN and they're running behind and they don't fry them yeah. as much. At least for the Mardi Gras event, um, I have heard no reports of people um, lacking consistency in flavor. I will point out that the Cajun flavor is not that Cajun-like. Um, you might not even notice it, <laughs> but off the menu, um, you can all you can you can instead get garlic Parmesan flavor, or if you don't love yourself, you can get ghost pepper flavor. Oof. Okay. Right. Which I do yeah. understand that if it were me, I would have put the twisted taters much closer to the Ube waffle stand to cancel out the ghost pepper afterwards. <laughs> but they are very they are very far apart. So if it were me, I would be placing an ice cream stand directly behind that twisted taters for that. But yeah, I'm... the reviews on that were pretty good and the price point is not is not bad. I think I think just for the twisted tater it's nine dollars US before we talk about discounts. Okay, so it's like six, seven quid UK. Yeah, pounds. and then and then probably a little bit less once you figure in your food and beverage card and all that other stuff. Yeah, um, so it's not too bad. Um, no, it's not bad. Yeah. Um, great. Uh, thank you for that Mardi Gras food rundown. Obviously, um, if you want to know more, and I highly suggest you go and have a look at this, uh, piratesandprincesses.net, um john is hopefully going to get even more stuff out <laughs> by his deadline uh fingers crossed and uh, good luck to that good luck yeah that's my own that. deadline and in fairness um to include every everyone involved who don't think that i always pay for all of this pirates and princesses did give me some give me a per diem to pay for some of this and uh universal food blog another site that i work with right yeah um they uh, Xavier pretty much paid for most of a lot of the food that are that we were reviewing on his site. Awesome. So, th um, so that could be your goal. You're on your vacation. You can eat nothing but food, but not pay for it. So hey, whatever. That's the dream. Uh, it's a dream as long as you're trying to stay under a certain weight. It's not. Because <laughs> remember, um, I still have to live long enough to be able to retire at Story Living by Disney. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Um, You've got to uh, survive at least 15 years until you can even buy a place. <laughs> right, exactly. When my retirement <laughs> kicks in. <laughs> um, finally so, then... Go ahead, I'm sorry. Sorry, I was just going to kind of wrap up. Um, well, I say wrap up. Finally, final thing. Uh, obviously, you were out there for Mardi Gras, but you're going back in a couple of months. Uh, yeah, I have, a, I, have a, I have a conference that I'm going to go to, and I'm going to stay at... For some of that time, I'm going to stay um, all the time right now. I'm going to stay at Dockside Inn and Suites, which is the value resort at um, Universal Orlando. 
Um, and apparently, I'm going to go a little a week later than I expected to. Apparently, there's going to be a crossing of the streams of when Tom is there and when I am there. Because I'm I'm going the last week of April. Yes. Okay. So there will be some crossing of the streams. But Dockside is, I've written a lot about Dockside, is if you are concerned that a Disney vacation costs 10 to 15% more now than it used to, than it did two, three years ago, which it does, by the way. Um, not that Dockside and Surfside, which are the endless summer resorts, not that they are luxury, but they are legitimate three-star um, hotels, value level. They're what the all-stars, that's being insulting to Dockside, they're what Pop Century is. Okay, yeah. Um, and as I mock about all the time, one of the beauties of staying staying at the Endless Summers, and I'm staying for, I'm, I'm legitimately paying for them, okay, just so we know. Um, I'm paying less than 100 US a night for a oh. technically an on-site resort hotel. It's a standard room, nothing special, no special view, no special nothing. Um, so you're but, in the inn, not the suites then, is that right? Yes. Uh, well, they don't make a clear distinction about that. Oh, okay. But that's a whole different. I could come on and do a whole podcast as I've done for other people about explaining how the Universal Resort hotels work and how to do that. Yeah. But the compare the comparable room I'll be staying in at Pop Century would cost you um, easily twice as much. Oh wow! Okay. Easily. Um, and. Depending on who you are, I know UK Starbucks is a different system than US Starbucks. I apologize, but um, all the value hotels and value plus hotels at Universal have a Starbucks in your lobby. You don't have to wait to get to the park to get Starbucks. You can get it at 6 a.m. if that's if you're one of those people. I'm not, but well, you can. Yeah, that would, uh, that's right up uh, Tom Street. Unfortunately, yeah. I mean I don't drink coffee, but my family are not starbucks people uh, right but I, I know that many uk-based theme park podcasters are huge starbucks people and so i mock them often yes. when i i post it on twitter and you can find it you can determine who is a uk theme park podcaster i may know and i post it and say here's my starbucks that i picked up at my hotel when i walked downstairs in a five minute wait to get my drink <laughs> which of course is saying i dare you to try to do that at disney which you can't you can't, um, yeah. And so, and each, and the dockside and surfside, which are the endless summer resorts, I know it's confusing. They're on opposite sides of the road on Universal Boulevard. Um, the rooms are reasonable. They're nothing special, but the rooms are reasonable. And they have a food court there that, at both of them, that is much lower than you would pay at the All Stars or Pop Century of Art of Animation. Uh, pizza is far better at universal hotels than it is at disney hotels i mean we could talk about why you would stay at a disney hotel that's a different conversation but yeah um and the only the big negative of staying at the endless summers is they are not technically located on site they're technically off property even though your bus trip to city walk is the same as it would be if you stayed at cabana bay or aventura it takes the same amount of time but you slightly leave the bubble because Surfside is bordered by International Drive. Yeah, you know, so you're, if, you're on the other you, side of the freeway, right? Right. If you're familiar with International Drive, I know many UK theme park people are, um, 
you know, there's an IHOP, there's um, an Applebee's, there's a Twisty Treat. Uh, you continue on down, there's a Buffalo Wings, sort of down in that area. Yeah. Um, where Universal Boulevard, well, I, I don't know why I'm saying this. This is where Wet and Wild used to be. Yes, of course. Okay, sorry. Duh. Duh. Um, uh, and so, but it, it, it's a, if you're just going for, we don't need frills, we don't need this, we need a place to stay, and we don't want to worry about transportation because the bus service is, it'll get you to City Walk in six minutes. Um, buses okay. come on a very regular basis. Um, you don't want to worry about it. Uh, the endless summers are a great option to stay at. And I can confirm for you back when it used to happen, though this was at Cabana Bay, the Wi-Fi works well enough that you can book your boarding pass for Rise of Resistance. I know we don't do that anymore. From the lobby of a Universal Hotel, and your lift can get you there before before your boarding pass starts when you get boarding pass seven. Blimey. That happened that's, one trip. Yeah, so. That's the dream. So that pretty much was the dream back then. And so I, I got on Rise of Resistance at 9.30 in the morning, having started the morning pushing buttons at 7 a.m. at Cabana Bay. So, but yeah, to, you know, another time if you, you and Tom want me to come on, I can do a whole breakdown of the Universal Hotels because they do get complicated. But as Disney hotels increase in price dramatically, yeah. travel agents are telling me a lot of people are staying at Universal and then spending, they're sp staying at Universal and then visiting Disney as a part of their trip, as opposed to what people used to do. You stay at Disney and visit Universal for part of your trip. Yes, it's, it makes a lot more sense. As the prices go up, it make, does make a lot more sense. Because um, right, I, I know that I know when I was pricing, I mean, I stayed at the B Resort, which is one of the Disney Springs area hotels, which yeah. gives you a lot of advantages. But when I was pricing um, staying at Pop Century for this trip or staying at um, Universal, I could get a room now granted i have more access i have an annual pass i know that i'm paying less than a lot of people do i understand that i could stay at hard rock for the same as what cost me to stay at pop century wow so <laughs> yeah so at that yeah. point you're like why wouldn't you do that now, yeah, granted, why, I, yeah now granted i was going on a different trip i was spending three days at the b resort at disney springs and three days at the holiday universal and some days at aventura but it's something you have to consider as i can't even imagine for those of your listeners who are who are trying to fly virgin or british airways or any of those with their wonderful vacation packages those are great but yeah. you're going to notice they're probably 15 percent more this year and yeah if you and your easiest way to lower the price is to change your accommodations. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, like, you know, talking to my parents and that um, who are going this year, and they're just like, yeah, it's even more expensive than just before uh, COVID happened when it was yes. obviously the last time we went. And it's it's just, um, so every, every way you can save a little bit of money, it makes the most sense, you know, certainly when it's, so much to travel in the first place from over here right i know my friends at touring plans and i haven't checked with them about a bunch of stuff lately but i know it was about a i want to say it was a year ago maybe it was only six months they broke it down and not counting genie plus not counting lightning lanes 
not counting any of those things, a Disney vacation um, in 2021 was 10% more than it would have been in 2020. Wow. Just, just a little bit more than inflation then, just that little bit more. Yeah, just a bit more. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> once again, Disney World is wonderful and great, but when letting you behind the scenes of being a very part-time theme park writer, when you talk to owners of sites and editors and people in charge of the money and they say, okay, we can give you the amount of money it would cost for you to go to Disney's Hollywood Studios for a day because I write a lot of blogs about touring and how to tour properly and the best way to do it and those kind of things. Yeah. Or we can give you the same amount of money to go eat at Disney Springs. What's going to give them more traffic and create more interest? Well, guess what? Me eating at Disney Springs will. Yeah. Um, and people have to make that decision. Do I want to cut a few days out of my Disney trip and maybe go to SeaWorld? Maybe go to mm -hmm. Busch Gardens. I mean, those Iron Quasi, from what I hear at Busch Gardens, is incredible. I've not been on it, but I hear it's incredible. Yeah, it looks um, epic. It, it's a huge improvement now that they've RMC, sorry, that they've reworked it in more of a hybrid type setup. Yeah. Because I, I have friends who are comparing it to Steel Vengeance, and sorry for your UK audience, Steel Vengeance is in Cedar Point, Ohio. Yes. Um, and it, it, brands themselves or used to brand themselves as the coaster capital of the world and steel vengeance i will argue once they hybrid rmc that one took a decent coaster turned it into something that is um how do i say this nicely at some point you might think you're going to lose your life it's that exciting oh wow yeah i mean it, it was a big deal i mean it even it's, it even scared my teenage son when we went just to give you perspective <laughs> um that's what they're doing with Iron Gwazi. Yeah. And and letting you in the true rumor mill. Um, SeaWorld open icebreaker. It officially opened, what, yesterday, I think, as we're recording this. Yeah. Um, apparently, they've already broken ground to build another coaster. Yeah, I, I saw the, uh, the, the rumors, you know, the fences have started going up, apparently, for that new rumored attraction, so. And so it's just a question of, and that's the struggle I know you know this, but technically Walt Disney World is not in Orlando. It's nearby Orlando. Yeah. But there, there's so many things that are happening in Orlando proper that people have to consider. You know, do we do we want to invest our entire trip at Walt Disney World? And if we don't, do we need to stay on site? And it gets very, very tricky. It's making it very hard when when travel agents will reach out to me and say, hey, can you write something or give us a resource? And I'm like, there's too many variables. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Um, you've got the, was it the Peppa Pig theme parks opening up soon as well? At Legoland? That's in Legoland, but that's... I mean, it's down the road, but... It's know, definitely it's down of... the road. It's, it's closer than Bush Gardens, but as Banks Lee would want me to point out, he's part of their marketing team at, at Legoland. Um, okay. If you... I, um, yeah, the Peppa Pig apparently is is open to rave reviews for the media at least. Um, it's a, it's a theme park that is targeted towards smaller children. Yeah, and without having to pay. And yes, I'm picking on Disney. I'm sorry. I love going to Disney. I would go to Disney. It just becomes a budget issue in my world. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're having to pay several hundred dollars just for a day or two at Walt Disney World, or you can go to Legoland for a week 
with your little kid, which I think would be pretty boring for a week, but four or five days. Yeah. That decision is not very hard when you can stay in a Lego hotel. Yeah, it just makes sense for that for those few days for sure. Right. And that's the thing you have to consider. But I also have to remember that a significant portion of your audience, unlike here in the US, takes 14 day vacations. And so you have more decisions to make. Yeah, I mean, it, you you almost have you have to over here uh, for it to make financial sense. You have to make it a long holiday, right? Um, but then you know things like Legoland. We have a Legoland over here, so right. Um, no Peppa Pig world though. So yes, I thank you for importing Peppa Pig to our world or to the US. I appreciate that. <laughs> we have to give some things back, you know. Yes, I know. From the from the colonial revolution, you have to fight back some way. Yeah, exactly. You know, so much stuff coming our way. Go and give something something back. <laughs> yes, exactly. I totally get that. But yeah, um, I guess since I've said this, you know, I, I'm happy to come on another time when Tom's available. Or maybe maybe if Tom and I cross paths, we can record something inside the parks. Yeah, about that'd stuff. be great. Because I'm not sure where, and we probably shouldn't mention this podcast right now. I'm not sure where Tom and his group is planning on staying while they come down to, to Florida. Uh, he is in but, a villa. Um, he'll be somewhere off the 192. Okay, so he'll be in the um, he'll be in the the lovely traffic area. Yes. Okay, which makes sense. So, yeah, I I can't. One thing random that we just comes to me that I forget about. If you if you stay near Walt Disney World, um, the Mears Connect, that's kind of that always was doing Magical Express for Disney. Mirrors Connect, because um, I used it. I took a Mirrors Connect shuttle from my Disney area hotel to Universal. Scheduled okay. it whenever scheduled it whenever I wanted it. Um, I mean, they gave me a time frame within a half hour. Yeah. Um, it, it cost me $12 to take, $12 US to take a shuttle on Mirrors Connect from my Disney Springs area hotel to Universal. $12 US. That's good. Um, I, the Uber Lyft price for that would have been about 25 before tip. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So this, this is the tricky thing for, but I understand that for many of you who come in larger groups, those shuttles aren't as appealing. You should probably just do ride share and figure out how to, how to save up your money and convert it to us and use the ride share app. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, I'm, I mean, I know it all, all depends on who's going and what that sort of thing. Um, I think Tom, Tom's going to get, they'll be getting a car, like a rental. Okay. So that's good, how they, good luck with that. If you, if, if you haven't priced a rental car lately in Orlando, just to give uh, you, yeah, give my you dad has recently and he, yeah, it's a monumental in comparison to what it has been. Yeah. For my, for my work trip in, in April, um, for the four, five, six days, however long I'm there. So I'm to get a standard, uh, not a standard, a compact car, um, including tax and fees was almost $500. And I have wow. connections. Okay. Just <laughs> perspective. Okay. Um, I can probably get that down to 400 us, but then you do the math. It's 400 us a week. Is it worth it? Yeah. It's, uh, no. So I, know we've, I know we've slid we've slid off the rails in this podcast. Wow. Of, of theme parks are worth it and you should go and theme park vacations are great, but you need to be realistic about how much money it's going to cost. 
Yeah, 100%. That is the, the key point to all of this uh, is be realistic about the cost. And so if you need to not go, you need to skip a year, or as I've written many times, maybe you're a family that goes to Walt Disney World or used to before COVID hit. You went to Walt Disney World once a year and you were the crazy family that went during Christmas week. God bless you. Um, you're like, well, we can't go this year because of the money. I would suggest you consider Universal or you could, or you consider Universal and SeaWorld and Busch Gardens. Mm. You may discover that you can still afford to go every year. Actually, I would suggest you probably can't. <laughs> I'd probably advise you don't. But, uh, yeah, I'm just I'm just saying now that I think about it and doing the math, I'm like, uh, yeah, if you could afford Disney before, you can afford to go to Universal and SeaWorld easily each year. Mm. There you go. Well, thank you very much. Uh, oh, you're, you're very welcome. Thank you for letting me take over your podcast. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. You know, it's always great to have you on. Uh, you get so, you know, you go often enough to make everything far more insightful. Um, well, it helps when other people other people pay part of the bill. Yes, absolutely. Um, unfortunately, Park Rush does not. Uh, yes, we, we got to work on that. Anybody. That's a that's an after recording discussion we can have <laughs> because you have to figure out how to make this a business expense for Tom. Yeah, uh, we'll figure it out. I'm sure at some okay. point, maybe not this year, but uh, next time. Because it, it is quite enjoyable in my world as being spoiled for spoiled bourgeoisie that your annual pass is a business expense. Yeah, I'm a, uh, again, that is the dream. Um, yes. But yeah, thank you, John. Um, where can you be found once more? Um, as we joked about, uh, I'm a gray haired old white guy who spends too much time on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Pastor, P-A-S-T-O-R, because that's what I do for a real job. John, J-O-N, um, because H's are O, so no H in my John. And Self, S-E-L-F, so Pastor John Self, you can find me there. I do um, lots of faith-based writings, especially for faithelement.net. As you've heard me do way too many commercials today, I'm writing currently for piratesandprincesses.net, Universal Food Blog, and Universal Family Vacations. And follow my Twitter because I'm in talks with three other groups to start writing for them. So we'll see how that goes. Awesome. Um, yeah, and obviously Parkrush Podcast, we're here every week still somehow getting through it. Tom will be back next time. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Parkrush Podcast. You can email the show podcast at parkrush.com. You can leave a voicemail uh, if you go to parkrush.com. Uh, thank you very much for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye.